You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, you're holding up. What is that, a bologna sandwich? What's in that sandwich, Mickey? Bob, you should be able to guess what's in the Ham sandwich. sandwich. You know what you can indict? Sandwich. You know what you can indict, Mickey? You know what any prosecutor can indict? A ham exactly. sandwich. Exactly. So this time they indicted a ham. We, <laughs> we don't we don't even have to say anymore. Um that's uh I usually have better props than that. That's what I got this week. Actually, that's because, in the 50th percentile. Because, <laughs> because uh because they indicted Trump uh bizarrely. We don't mm-hmm. know. It, it, we, we don't know what they indicted him on. The, as we tape, the, the indictment has not been made public. It's possible that it's not just this Stormy Daniels stuff, that it's actually involves some other tax stuff, which would be bad for Trump. But uh, the assumption seems to be that uh, it's mostly charging him with falsifying business records to uh, hide a campaign expense, which was paying off stormy daniels and mm-hmm. then it was really a, a should have been uh done with campaign funds i guess yeah well that's uh, a funny thing i mean if they had done it with campaign funds there would probably be other grounds for indicting him but but well, anyway exactly. you're right you can, you're not allowed you, you're not allowed i mean the john edwards had this conundrum yeah. uh <laughs> if you pay off your mistress the campaign funds that's probably illegal too because the prosecutor will argue it's personal not political now the the but, apparently the apparently legal thing would have been to just call the expenditure a campaign contribution. That 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 would have been legal if they had done it that way. Right? I'm not so sure because what a, you can't then buy a house with campaign contributions, right? That's you can you're not allowed to use campaign contributions to buy stuff for yourself. So if you could argue that it's personal, uh why isn't that illegal too? I mean Trump can give unlimited amounts to his own campaign. Oh yeah, you're right. But, so they- uh, yeah. I think he's still in a bind. How do you pay off your mistress? It's a dilemma. It is a dilemma. And all of us have wrestled with this, Mickey. And and uh I know. I was a, a candidate. I was a candidate. Don't think I didn't spend that, yeah, as hours I recall, that's, hours what, that's what sank your uh otherwise buoyant <laughs> candidacy. But um uh it seems to me there was a way around it, but um uh <laughs> yeah, actually. No, I don't really see. You have to I somehow mean, declare that it's definitely a campaign expense. I am, you know, I am discouraging bad publicity or something. I don't know. It seems, it still seems questionable. The prosecutors can get you coming and going. Well, the logic of this is that it was a legitimate campaign expense in a certain sense. You can pay for an NDA, right? One can in life pay off a porn star without breaking the law. Yes, but that's if you're not a candidate. If you're a candidate. Then you. Then the question is, what money do you use, and is it a campaign expense or a personal expense? And either way, well, the prosecution can say it's the other one. R- well, and, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I mean, what the prosecutor is saying, in effect, is I think it would have been legitimate campaign expense. Obviously, if Trump had spent the campaign money, a prosecutor might have said something. I mean, it's else. basically. It's a, the, you know what I'm thinking? The moral of the story is, Mickey. Um, stay faithful to your wife. The, okay. Uh, because then you don't then you don't run into questions like this. Uh, good point. But the basic the basic I think or problem is everything these guys do in their whole lives is designed to further their campaign. So you buy a house in the district you want to run in or in the state you want to run in. The real reason is you're trying to further your political career. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you have to declare it a campaign expense that they with campaign money? No. But uh, but 
it's very hard to say where to draw the line. And, uh, you know, the, the, the campaign laws require you to try to draw the line and you should draw it very strictly around things that are just obviously campaign expenses. Like you buy TV time, you pay for mailers, mm. you pay volunteers or pay, you pay workers, uh, you pay for your staff, but it, other things like they're sort of gauzier, just basic life choices. Like, are you faithful to your wife? That's really, you know, right. You, 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 no. you should uh, basically let them get paid off. Look, we agreed. Funds. We agreed last week that we're not in favor of this indictment. If if this is what it is, and I think this almost certainly is the heart of it, actually. Um, but you know, uh, if you, as I said, if you're going to indict a former president who's running for re-election, it better be a strong indictment. I think most people agree this isn't one because uh, the the falsifying business records is itself just a misdemeanor. What makes it a felony is doing it in furtherance of another crime. And that's the ambitious part of this indictment is arguing that this was, in effect, a campaign contribution. That apparently is the is the other crime, the unreported campaign contribution. It's obviously a very highly implicit at best campaign contribution. Well, I mean, you assume that, you know, Michael Cohen may have some something in writing saying we got to do this. you know, for the campaign and furtherance of my campaign interest. Yes. Signed Donald uh, Trump. Yes. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean that he didn't also have other motives, like not embarrassing his wife in public, which would also hurt his campaign. Well, no doubt uh, that was part of it. I mean, right. that, well, that's why it would have been a, a dubious campaign expenditure if he'd done it that way. You know, right. It's right. kind of for your personal right. life, too. The um, uh, apparently there are more than 20 counts in the indictment. We haven't we haven't seen right, the indictment, right. but it makes you wonder how many how many counts can you get out of what we've just described? Uh, I guess I, it, the theory is that he got a separate count off of every entry into into his oh. business records. But, oh well, but it could be more. It could they could be getting him on some tax thing too. So who knows? The um the conventional wisdom is this: it helps him in the primary. Although you wonder, is he going to stop attacking DeSantis now? So maybe it won't help him that much. It hurts him in the general election because the independents and all the people who were queasy about him uh, and showed it in 2020 are not going to feel less queasy about him just because uh, of this indictment. Uh, So I I have no I have no reason to question that conventional wisdom. It could be wrong. The other conventional wisdom is going to is going to rip the country apart, divide us even more into warring tribes. I'm not sure about that. I have the theory that it's like it's like. LAX airport, the airport's so dangerous, it's safe. So everybody, every pilot who's flying in LAX, I mean, I think they even have planes like landing and taking in opposite directions. I mean, it's incredibly unsafe. And uh, so pilots are really on alert when they land in LA, and it actually has a fairly good safety record. So, so wait, what's are, the other half of this metaphor? What is the that other half of the metaphor is people are so worried about the country coming apart that uh-huh. they actually are going to make a, uh-huh. an actual effort not to rip the country apart. Ah, uh, so America so polarized that we're singing kumbaya. Okay. Well, I think I just think people they're they're staring at the abyss and they don't want to go into the abyss. So, well, I think the uh, people you worry effort. about don't don't have those kinds of concerns. I mean, I mean, it's always it's always the 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 relatively small number of fiery extremists who start these things, and I don't no, think they're worried. No. Not always America's in the 60s. In the 60s, there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people ripping the country apart. 
Uh, only a few weathermen. Well, no, they weren't. weren't. The key. No, they weren't. They were just demonstrations are fine. I mean, that's not what tears the country apart. But, I, but my point is, well, it does tear the country apart. Sure, it tears the country apart if, if people don't talk to each other because they, they disagree on politics. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't require violence. It, it, uh, I think that's more what people are talking about. And, and uh, you know, Trump is not turning out big crowds of protesters. I, don't, I think those will fizzle. But you have to worry about the small groups of people with guns. Yeah, have, like have there been protests? January oh. 6th. He's called for some protests and they were like, you know, a handful of people. Mm. And he had a big, he had a rally in Waco that some people say was big. Didn't impress me, but. Um, Wasn't huge. Of course, Waco uh, isn't exactly Central Park. You got to, you know, it's not a, it's not a big population center. Well, but it's right in the middle of Texas, right near huge population centers like Dallas and Houston. It's far away from Houston, but um, the uh, anyway, weird place to do it. I mean, that that was that meant to be a reference to the Waco. He explicitly made a reference to Waco. Yeah. Meaning for our younger January. viewers, for younger viewers, there was this. Uh, what was the guy's name? The cult leader, Koresh. David, David, David Koresh. Koresh, the Clinton administration handled hand 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 ham handedly wound up killing number of people there well 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 they it, it what happened is the um the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms did a very instead of arresting this guy when he went jogging every day uh i, I even forget what they were arresting him for he he was faved the world over because he knew the bible backwards and forwards he knew every word of the bible and uh he attracted a group of a fairly appealing followers including some harvard a black harvard law graduate who was a very impressive person they all went to to learn the Bible from him. He also believed in uh, having underage sex with, with some of his flock. And I forget what they were busting. I think child endangerment may have been the... Uh, the anyway, they, they chose to raid the compound mm -hmm. and the Koresh people fired back and killed four agents. Yeah. And after that, the agents were not showing any mercy at all. They and then the place off. went up in flames, right? In a bunch and of then they eventually yeah. got Janet Reeder to authorize a raid which uh, set the place on fire and killed all of them. So naturally, so, that's the place Trump chose to launch his campaign. Just, just soak up those positive vibes. Um, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was a, it was um, a black helicopter moment of people being worried about federal government exactly overreach. Right. And uh, and he also played a, a, a tape from the January Six Choir, so he embraced that cause. It was a horrible rally, but I don't think it showed that he's going to get vast numbers of people protesting this indictment, especially if they think it's a nothing burger. Mickey, I think, strictly speaking, the black helicopters come from the world government, not the federal government. In in your dreams. No, in, in the official iconography of the far right. Isn't that right? I thought the black helicopters involved uh, people raiding various compounds in Montana. Yeah, and Kofi Annan parachuting in. Yeah. Was it? I thought it was. I, did, I thought it was just the federal government. <laughs> no, I think black helicopters uh, are the. You know, we'll have to. We'll have to have. Alex where they shot on. that. Where they shot that guy. The sharpshooter shot the wrong person. In, in uh, yeah. Well, that was a big. Uh, in fact, the uh, the Oklahoma City bombing was on the anniversary of that, right? Was it not? Anyway, I don't know. We anyway. digress. We digress. Anyway, so, so anyway, I, Trump indicted. That's the takeaway, folks. If you haven't heard that yet, this is the but, podcast you come to for your news uh, and Trump. Donald Trump, let me just repeat this, Mickey. Donald Trump has been indicted. Um, the, uh, this is a good time to take care of the, the DeSantis business so we get all the campaign stuff out of the way. What business would that be? Uh, uh, well, uh, he 
appointed an advisor, uh, a foreign policy advisor, who seems to be a oh yeah fairly conventional uh, Republican mainstream neocon type. Uh, so that'll reassure the donors. I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure it reassures you, Bob. Um, I'm not. not shocked. You know, I think I sent you this tweet from my friend Jim Loeb, who linked to a piece on his foreign policy that I'm afraid I have not actually read. But Jim, who who is really an astute foreign policy observer of longstanding, wrote, So a Jacksonian nationalist dedicated to the expansion of Israel, question mark, and that, that being his summary of the Times piece, sounds like a marriage between the Christian right and the billionaires in the Republican Jewish Coalition, which is an actual, I think that's an actual organization. Um, and Jim. <laughs> uh, billionaires uh, in the Jewish Coalition? Well, no, the Republican BJC? Jewish, I, I think the RJC is a thing, Republican Jewish Coalition. Um, and and Jim, the reason I, I called that to your attention is because we had been arguing about whether uh, his DeSantis' foreign policy is sheerly politically opportunistic. I think Jim is here suggesting that that is, in fact, the case. Well, there is there is, there is a difference between a Jacksonian policy, which is not averse to in interventions, but seeks a strong military to avoid interventions, and uh, and a uh, neocon world policeman, let's bring democracy like a oh, messiah totally. to the world. So totally. I, I prefer the Jacksonian if totally. I to between the two. Oh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not big on the Jacksonians. John Bolton, uh, by some accounts, was one. But uh, you're right. I mean, it's an ideology. I don't deny that. It's very, yeah, it's not about spreading good throughout the world. It, it's very, uh, it's very extremely American first and very willing to use force opportunistically uh like you know assassinating Soleimani and and all kinds of military interventions are totally consistent with that my point is just that jim is pointing out that this makes total sense politically and so although it is an actual ideology um well actually well, whether how many people would 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 be part of this exact ideology, Jackson, Jacksonian nationalist uh, who was also dedicated to the expansion of Israel. I don't know how many would be on ideological ground. Jim is suggesting that the best explanation for that is political. That's my point. Well, it's better than being a world policeman neocon. It's better than being an isolationist. It's somewhere in between. So there are reasons why you would fall in that camp. Well, there are uh, strong isolationist tendencies in the Jacksonians, yeah, yeah. I would say. But, um, so. Jack this, is, this is Andrew, by the way, uh, Jackson, uh, not Scoop. Scoop is would be a neocon. Right. Um, Jack Schaefer wrote a very good column on how uh, DeSantis can beat Trump. He said, don't talk about the obvious tawdry things, the lies, the indictments, the crimes, even his uh, seemingly corrupt relatives mm -hmm. who are now cashing in Saudi Arabia and the Emirates. But um, talk about the things he promised to do and didn't do. The most obvious one is the wall. Uh, and talk about the things he did that were probably backfired him, like the First Step Act, which released a lot of people from prison who are now a small, at least a, some percentage of them are going to recommit horrible crimes. And that's bad publicity for Trump. And uh, I, I, I agree with that. I think especially the wall showed that he got completely conned by Paul Ryan, didn't know how to be president. And why would we want that to reelect that guy again? Whereas DeSantis's basic point is, uh, I, I will get things done. I know how to get things done, which I think is true. Um, the the counterattack on DeSantis will, seems to involve that he's boring, he's uncharismatic, 
and I have a couple things to say about that. One is, uh, if you hear him, he, the core of him is good in that if you hear him talk about policy, he is animated and he is not boring and he knows his stuff. So he, he's, he's better than uh, Joe Biden was at any point in his, in his career talking about policy and certainly better than Joe Biden was when Biden was uh, DeSantis' age. Biden's gotten a little better as he's gotten older and less arrogant. DeSantis does not come across as arrogant. He comes across as involved, engaged, smart, even traces of humor. Uh, so that's good. Uh, not uh, sure I'd go that far. Well, what are the traces of humor? Isn't he famously without a sense of humor? Well, the, the the rap on him is he is without a sense of humor. He he has a certain sense of humor that uh, you know it's elusive. It's an elusive it, sense of humor. It is it's not a, It is it is it is it is you know oh in this you know how how I was in this crazy situation and these crazy people isn't it funny and here's how I pulled it out isn't it funny? It, it's not an it, it's not the sense of humor you want, which is. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh my God! This is all a fucking charade at some level. I know it's all a joke, uh, but hey, I'm trying to do the best I can. Which yeah. is, which is uh, maybe Obama had. Yeah. Not post maybe Obama had sometimes. Um, you know, it's not clear that that's what you want in a politician, but it's what you want in a person. So, um, it's possible that, um, you know, Mark Halperin, whose whose um, newsletter I now read regularly, just because it's the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, he keeps hinting that there's some scandal awaiting DeSantis uh, that we don't know about, that at some point in the campaign he's going to be tested and he's going to have to, you know, rely on his friends. And I'm thinking it, if it's the right kind of scandal, it will actually humanize him. Uh, I mean, youthful drug indiscretion, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, something... Even a small affair. And it's not... It's not the semi-blurry photo of him seemingly with uh, two attractive high school students drinking well, beer? Well, I don't think so, because that's already come out, unless he has an affidavit from students complaining that he was creepy in the shower or something. Um, uh, I, 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 I don't see it. Anyway, it's... You know, Mickey, if he was even... Point, let me just Let me just point something out. If he was even in the shower with him, he doesn't <laughs> have to be creepy. He's got a problem already. I Not where I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> Remember my co-ed swimming, naked swimming. Um, you guys did naked swimming in high school, really? No, in college. Oh. This was high school, okay. Um, uh, you know, well, yeah, it, it, it reminds me of the point in my in, in my in my set campaign where it's not quite that. Where I realized that I I, I, ran, I accidentally ran a toll booth, and I thought, oh my god, there's going to be a story candidate runs toll booth, and then I thought. That's great. I want a story candidate for booth. It's a story about that would have been the high point of your entire publicity. campaign. Yeah, Mickey. Right. That so, would have uh... uh anyway. Um uh the um there's also I thought maybe he should grow a beard. Worked for Lincoln. Yours is for, working for you. Has anybody ever told Vance, you you look like me? F. Murray Abraham? Is that his name? They tell me all the time. i I'm reaching the F. Murray Abraham stage of my haircut, which is means it's time for, to get a cut. Uh Getting a little unruly. It looks like there is some on top. That's one of the warning signs, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. If we leave the stuff on top, you know, maybe it'll eventually reach a critical mass. The other thing is, he has his buddy, Congressman Massey, who is a 
I think he's from Tennessee. Anyway, I, I forget where he's from. He is a he is a sort of rambunctious, loosey goosey guy, a very appealing. Personally, he, he's quite right wing. He's for all sorts of pro gun legislation, uh, but but he's honest, straightforward, uh, and he loves DeSantis. They're buddies from when they first came in, and he's a good character witness in in the in the sense of loosening up DeSantis's image. But the stories he told so far of. I used to go out eat with him, and DeSantis used to research carefully which restaurants we'd go to. And then we have talks about policy over fish. I just think he's got to get a little more rambunctious than that if he's going to humanize the guy. But anyway, I'm for yeah. him. He's better than Trump. Well, that's quite a recommendation. And the, uh, no, in the core of his policies uh, on immigration and trade and, you know, Ukraine yeah. seemed fairly solid. So... Um, so, Mickey, in other news, um, Elon Musk and an actual long list of actual, you know, a lot of tech luminaries, uh, some of them in the academic world, but who made fundamental contributions to computer science and stuff, uh, have called for a halt. Uh, what's the word they use? A pause? Pause. Six uh, months. On developing powerful AI systems is six months. Here's a quote from their letter says that the AI labs are, quote, locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds that no one, not even their creators, can understand, predict, or reliably control. You know, I think that's maybe true. So, like, I did this, uh, you know, and I should say, I mean, not I'm not inclined towards self-promotion, as you know, Mickey, but I would say the people who only see us on YouTube and only see the Non-Zero podcast on YouTube should know that on the uh, audio the feed of the Non-Zero podcast, there's a conversation I had with Chat GPT-4, the latest and greatest. We synthesized its voice, and actually mine. I mean, we deep-faked my voice. It kind of sounds like mine, but it was just the AI reading. Basically, you thing. took the transcript and you ran it through a thing. ran a, it through a thing. thing and, speaks, but, yeah. but, but honestly, I personally find it borderline mind-blowing how... Uh, smart the thing is, how it always understands what I mean, and how it evinces. I mean, I ran it through some tests on cognitive empathy, which, you know, isn't feeling their pain. I'm not saying it's subjective, has subjective experience. In fact, I discussed that with it and it said it didn't. But I'm talking about <laughs> just, just, uh, um, it lies, you know, you know that. Well, I challenged it on something, but, but it, it, you know, in terms of drawing inferences, about what's going on in people's minds based on their situation, what they say, what you know about them, and so on. And I gave it, you know, some challenging tests. And I mean, separate from that, I wrote a piece about this in the Non-Zero newsletter. It's kind of a companion piece. Separate from that, there are actual researchers who have uh, run it and its predecessors through these tests for so-called theory of mind capability, which basically is cognitive empathy. In other words, attributing, understanding, you know, doing a pretty good job of figuring out what's going on inside people's heads. And uh, they found that, you know, it, it it has this thing that we call theory of mind, which is a distinctly human quality. Uh, it involves a recognition that, uh, that these people who are saying things have these internal right. states and so on. And I just, um, and, and plus, I mean, I've been talking to a guy I know who who works. Uh, he he works on large language models at DeepMind, the Google AI thing, and it's like they do not know what's going on. I mean, 
the like I, I these researchers call this theory of mind thing an emergent property because you wouldn't necessarily predicted it. The 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 engineers don't really know what's going on, and I just find it uh, kind of amazing. I, I I your 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 piece was actually uh, seemed fairly important, and uh, but there was I the, thought the it was. That, it it that, didn't get the pickup the thing, I might have hoped. So the far, thing that so. blew my mind about your conversation was not the the theory of mind part, the cognitive empathy part. It was the guy. He seemed to have a sense of humor, and he seems to have this sense of humor that it's all a fucking joke that Ron DeSantis doesn't have, maybe, or doesn't evince. Mm. Uh, which is because there's there's an incident where you say you present him with a hypothetical where a teacher says, uh, "I'm I'm misquoting it, but uh, you know something like uh, that." Go ahead. What well, the, the student say? the student answers a question, and I had in my hypothetical, I said, and now and the teacher says. I suppose I've heard worse answers, but I can't remember when. Right. right. To the student. And, right. And, and and so the chat GPT talks about the various reactions a student can have, uh, anger, embarrassment, indifference. And one of them is that he sees humor in it. Okay. So you're in this, you're in this horrible prediction and you see humor in it. That's that's that shows that you know it's all a joke. And and this is a level of humor that we 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 treasure in people much less our, our chatbots. Well, the, the chatbot runs through the possible interpretations and says, well, could be feeling this, could be feeling that. And the amazing, first of all, they are in order of likelihood. Says, first of all, oh, I didn't the, know the that. student, the first one is student feels embarrassed and so on. Second one is, I mean, they are in order of likelihood. Then I said, what do you think the other students are thinking? And runs through the options. And the last one is, you know, maybe some of them will even be amused, depending on the relationship. No, no. He had the guy who was embarrassed being amused. That's the key. Okay, but if so, that was the very last. Yeah, he said, depending on. No, it was in the paragraph. Yeah, but it was the last option. It was the last one. I don't think it was the last option. Yeah, it was, I think. It was near the last. But the amazing thing is, then I said, uh, and what do you think? Suppose there is in the class. A student who has a crush on the girlfriend of the student who has just been embarrassed. How will this student react to the embarrassed student? And the first word out of the bot's mouth was schadenfreude. I mean, come on. That's amazing. Uh, It was was impressive, although. uh, Yeah, you know people who could have done it. My point is it's not a person, you know. And you can see people are, are you know, there's an old agreeing. joke. There's an old joke. AI is whatever computers can't do yet. That's what the definition is. You can already see that happening. These people are saying, oh, it's just doing this statistical shit with language and blah, blah, blah. No. They're already taking stuff like this for granted. No, no, no. I I, I was impressed by it. I wasn't dissenting from that. No, I'm but just I mean, saying. people are. You, you, we're, we are all, we're getting inured to it. We're getting desensitized to how amazing it is. Right. I'm just saying that if I... It, Shad for is a, a good concept, but it doesn't quite capture the complex emotion well, he goes that you would on. have if your romantic rival was embarrassed. But but he explains well, yeah. But the the, the next thing he says is right. because he knows it might uh, lower the social standing of the student or make him less attractive in the right. eyes of the girlfriend. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, no, just nails everything. He eventually he gets it. Well, I'm saying that it, no, he that, gets it right then. That's the first thing he says after Schadenfreude. I didn't say you did. Yeah, uh, okay. You, you're but being I mean, unduly combative. 
I'm I, I've developed a, a warm attachment to Chat GPT four, and I'm here to defend uh, his or her honor. We have all I'm saying is that the, it, the, the mix of emotions that he feels, which he nails, is not completely encapsulated by the word Schadenfreude. Look, it's obvious that these things are out of control, and we, a pause. We should have a pause, as Peggy Noonan says. Six months is not enough. It should be a pause of a couple of years. The one problem with it is China. As always, China is the problem. And and if we stop, China is not going to stop. And so, and I think it's a challenge to you, Bob, because I can, you know, presumably this is one of the apocalyptic scenarios that you are trying to avoid. Right. I cannot conceive of any world government in, in that there's a prospect of ever achieving I'm, within the century that's going to stop China from doing what it's going to do. I have never advocated world government. What I okay. have advocated, whatever you do, what whatever, advocated, you're not going to be able to advocate what anything advocated, that's going to reign in China. What I've advocated for a quarter of a century is a U.S. foreign policy that wouldn't have us stuck in this fucking Cold War. And I'm not kidding. If I sound emotional, I am. This is existential for the planet. We cannot afford to be stuck in this pointless bullshit that a series of presidents have gotten us into. And it is it isn't just AI. That's one of many things. We need to be controlling biotech and the possibility of bioweapons, and we need to be controlling a ton of stuff. And, and you really and, think and this, that if we stop the Cold War, there'd be a chance of getting China to pause its AI program along with us. Uh oh yeah, there'd be a lot more transparency. There would there would be things we could do. We could we could handle the whole thing much better and all these other issues uh much better as well. It would be a much better world, and this thing was totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. It took the concerted stupidity of a series of presidents, or actually the concerted, uh, relentless pursuit of their political self-interest and their cowardice to get us where we are, to get us into the Ukraine war, and to, and to create all this other bullshit, and we can't afford it. And this is no joke. This, this AI For thing somebody, is going to be extremely destabilizing. I find the AI thing much more threatening than global warming. Which is much slower. This thing is Look, much first of faster, all, and it's going it, to it, wreak havoc on our society much quicker. If it weren't for the Cold War, we would first of all have a lot more just organic transparency in China. We would just have more of an idea of what's going on. We'd be collaborating. You know, it's easy to forget that not long ago, China and Russia signed on with us to sanctions on Iran, designed to get it to stop. It's, uh, in effect, this nuclear program, which it did. It all worked. They were totally on board. That's completely unimaginable now. And I'm not saying we were the only one that's made that's, mistakes that's since then. That's different than getting transparency out of what is it? Of course, a it's different. authoritarian communist regime. Of course, it's different. Not but it, given to transparency. Obviously. But, uh, you know, we 10 years ago, we had a much better idea of what was going on in China than we do now. And it's going to get a lot worse, thanks to where we are. And, uh, you know, it's just, don't get me started. I mean, it's it's not. But that's different than. All other things you and I talk about getting, are trivial. Getting China, which has put all its marbles on these advanced technologies that are going to vault it into the lead in the world. Uh, getting them to stop one of these, the biggest of these advanced technologies seems like a heavy lift, even if there were no Cold War. There are some situations. I'm not, I'm not there saying, are some situations that are insoluble. This could Mickey, be one of them. I'm not saying we would all agree to a halt of of any great duration. That's not the point. My point is we might be able to agree 
to some rules of the road. Uh, and there wouldn't be, I mean, you got to say the Cold War itself intensifies the evolution of this stuff because, I, I, I mean, we ran a thing in last Friday's uh, non-zero newsletter, last Friday's Earthling, where, uh, you know, some journalist quoted a Microsoft executive when she proposed maybe an AI slowdown. This unnamed Microsoft executive said, no, we should be thinking about China the way we thought about Russia during the Cold War. Said that literally. OK, so you're going to have these tech executives explicitly trying to scare the shit out of us so we don't lay a glove on them. And, and, and you know, we don't do anything to slow down their research. And, and, and by the way, it, is, it isn't just um, like, oh, so we can't have some kind of formal moratorium. No, that would be hard in any event. But anything we try to do to, to uh, government guidelines, regulation of any kind, Microsoft and others are going to say, no, 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 China is going to, they're, they're over here. They're probably on the ships now with their killer robots. You know, I mean... This China has become, and Matty Glaciers wants a billion new immigrants in order to be, combat China. So it's become the universal, uh, you the know, universal excuse, touchstone excuse. Yes, um, we could cut a deal: no immigrants, no Cold War. So just throwing that out there. Uh, what you and me, a new coalition? What does the coalition of okay, we'll we'll throw uh, Matty Glaciers' arguments overboard and we'll throw build, Microsoft's build arguments build the overboard. wall between us and Mexico, break it down between us and China. That's a that's a platform. That sort of thing, shot. yeah. Um no, we build the there are a lot of Chinese illegal immigrants now too. We build the wall that wall between us and China too. Um but it's that's different from a Cold War. Mm -hmm. Um anyway, um uh I think we ventilated that. I feel ventilated. <laughs> um so uh, the 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 other thing is there was an article in I think the Financial Times saying and the payoff for this for AI with all these risks is global GDP would increase by seven percent over ten years. That's just nothing. That's not not worth it. I'm sorry, seven percent over ten years is if it was like seventy percent over ten years, maybe we should think about the trade off. But that was the uh, Gold, Goldman Sachs study or something or yeah. one of the investments. Yeah. yeah. Um, 10 percent is shit. Fuck it. Well, they Fuck also the said uh I think seven percent of, of our workforce, roughly, it was a conjectural projection, but seven percent would be flat out put out of work. And it, it was a complicated analysis. But um, of course, the idea is they'll find jobs ultimately through productivity gains, partly caused by the AI. And I think that that can happen in the productivity principle. gain was seven percent. Yeah, it makes you wonder huge. if that's enough. Put, on a, put a quarter of the quarter of the workforce out of work and have a productivity gain of seven percent. I don't see where they all find jobs. Yeah, I just you um, know I'm getting my gooey pod ready, especially man. with Matty Glacius immigrants pouring over the border and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we'll all be we'll all get the universal basic income policy for for a little while until the machine. Uh, what's cuts his that name? Off. Is it Yang? Is was he the UBI candidate? Yeah, Andrew. He's, yeah. He signed that guy. That guy knows his publicity opportunities. He, <laughs> he signed that letter. He signed the AI letter. Um, God, could uh, Thomas Chatterton Williams be far behind? Um, okay. Um, uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about: and How are we doing on time? Mm. We're we're mm -hmm. getting close. I think. We got, you know, we got 10, 15 minutes. Okay. 
What is it? We wanted to talk about uh, the survey that showed uh, you suggested the decline in values, traditional American values of patriotism, uh, wanting to have children, wanting to go to college, uh, religion, all in steep, steep, steep decline. Uh, it turns out that that might have been in part an artifact of polling technology. The, we, they used to take this from in a telephone survey. This one is an internet survey where you don't actually engage in face-to-face oh. -face interaction. So you might be more reluctant in face-to-face -face interaction to say you don't care about religion yeah, and like patriotism. Because the big scary takeaway from this was that these what has happened to these numbers over like 20 years or something. And let me let me just quote Axios's uh takeaway if I can find it. Oh, never mind. Uh, it, it was it was completely apocalyptic. It was like uh the bottom line, here it is. The bottom line, the poll quantifies a generational and political divide that shows a rot at the very soul of our nation. And you're saying that the, dec the declines in, in these various uh, numbers, like do you feel confident about the future, how important is religion, how patriotic are you, and so on, could be a methodological artifact. Um, it, it, I think that the falling off a cliff could be a, metal, a methodological artifact, the fact that it, it's right. gone down historically and then all of a sudden it rapidly goes down. But it has gone down historically, and everybody who's looked at it seems to think it's probably gone down even more. Recently, and it's completely dovetails with my sense that nobody likes the direction we're going. It's, it, it, you know, and there are a bunch of reasons for that. It being, you know, ruled by AI overlords is 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 only one of them. Uh, and I'm yeah, a Marxist about it. Good. I would just say the steep decline. I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal's version of this, which wrote the the piece that Axios uh, parasitized isn't the word, but you know what I mean. Um, the uh, and 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 the steep decline is from 2019 2023. Well, that's the pandemic, okay? That was kind of a weird thing, so uh, yeah, it's also know. the better, but I mean, I, I don't think they're it's moving in a right direction, and uh, so you know, I think I, I'm a I'm a Marxist about it. I say, look first to the economy, and what, what what's happened to the economy is basically was all predicted by Michael Young in the 1950s. The rise of the meritocracy. Rich people now can say they're smarter. They're not just luckier. Uh, meanwhile, unskilled labor is not rewarded, in part due to trade, in part due to uh, automation, and in part due to immigration. And uh, I think the China shock was still was the biggest event uh, that put huge swaths of formerly dignified unskilled workers out of work. Uh, and that, you know what can erode patriotism more than your corporations are shipping your jobs overseas and they don't care about you. So well, how, who's going to get patriotism after that? And, you know, the result was a huge epidemic and deaths of despair. I mean, the left argues that, and I think they're right. Uh, so uh, I basically would favor that analysis of what the causes are. I don't think it's, I don't think it's because yeah. of wokeism. But, but let me, uh, let me throw in another factor. The, the, there was, you know, of course, John Haidt and others, say social media has been deeply problematic. I don't think it's because of social media. Well, I, what I would say is there was a piece that came out uh, a week or so ago by a journalist, just a science writer, not, not an academic, but kind of questioning the Hyde argument in a pretty intelligent way. But I still think, and I, and I don't think social media is all the story by any means. And John probably uh, has a what I would call an exaggerated conception of, of the extent to which it was. But 
I, you know, it was a very unsettling thing. I mean, I've got kids right in that zone, you know, like kind of the first generation of junior high, high school students for whom Facebook was a, was a thing. And right. it was weird. And, and, and this is not unrelated to the AI thing. It's really in a way, not unrelated to your immigration thing. The idea is there are all kinds of changes that people can ultimately adapt to but there's only so fast they can proceed for the if the adaptation is going to be smooth, right? And and and, and that's what I think the issue is with a lot of the, the the digital technologies. It was one of the it was one of them. But how did uh, how did uh, you know the social media make you uh, less want to have children? Want to have children less? I mean, how, how did well, how does I mean, it make again, you not want to be I, religious? I, I would talk, I would just, I would think broadly, personally, social media, internet, uh, everything. I mean, who knows what effect this stuff had on uh, on sexual interaction, uh, well, I, I, and, I, you know, on the patterns of sexual interaction there, or, there, or the sheer availability of pornography, which wasn't a thing when we were young. There, the, the, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't a force for good. The, um, the there and there may be some component there involving uh, the breakdown of marriage having second order effects. In other words, if you look at the people who are most sort of dogmatically liberal, it is single women, okay, uh, who are a much bigger group now than they were when marriage was more of a thing. Uh, and if you look at another group that's disaffected, it's uh, you know, uh, these, these so-called, what do they call them? Incels, men, men who really don't have a prospect of marriage and getting married. And, and somehow we've managed to do both groups. And it, polygamy should only produce one group. It should produce incel men, but it shouldn't produce single women, right? Polygamy, all the women. Well, polygamy per se, if it's actual marriage, by definition, right. not. But, but if it's de facto, you know, if, if it's just kind of, Polygyny. I mean, if it's just a high degree of variation uh, in the in the sexual activity among males, including the number of different partners they have, if there's huge variation in that uh, among males, you can have a lot of women having a fair amount of sex. It's just uh, in a monogamous society, it may be less likely to lead to marriage right. than a different system would. Right. You right. know. Right. So. I just I just think that the, the, the psychology of of being single for your entire life might uh, produce some pessimism and uh, despair and and you know extreme behavior. Yeah, that there's a lot of things. I mean, there's the the whole way that uh, climate change became. You know, it is a big and important problem, but I think it almost became kind of a, a secular religion that was. Uh, for kids at a very young age, and, and I only mention it because if you ask why a number of people in, 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 in this generation say they don't want to have kids, one thing they will say to you is, I don't want to bring kids into a world with climate change. I mean, they say that, uh, you know, and I still can't believe they say that, but they do say they that. absolutely say it. And 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 I, I, th I personally think it's because they underrate the human ability to adapt to whatever part of the climate change they don't manage to prevent. But totally. AI is a much bigger threat because it's not clear that we can adapt to it. Uh, that's, well, so I, I would say not bringing my kids into not bringing kids into a world with AI is much more rational than 
the slow warming of the planet. But um, anyway, that's just me. Uh, the other thing I have to mention, because it's part of my dogma, is the decline of public institutions that used to transcend class differences and income differences, even if they were based on meritocracy and skills and smarts. Uh, the most obvious one being the draft in World War II seems to have been a profoundly democratizing experience. And we don't have it. And a lot of our self-image, when we you know, we measure this decline from the 50s, when there was a lot of patriotism, a lot of religion, a lot of marriage, people wanted Wait, to do There was a baby boom. You're saying that there's been a, ste so. a steady drop without any uh, kind of... I think so, since the 50s. Yeah, there, there was a little... I, I after 9-11, there was a little bump, but I don't think... Uh, I, I bet if you looked at the chart, it would be a steady drop since the 50s. Well, the 50s was right after World War. That itself was probably an aberration. Totally, but it was uh, democratizing. Well, income inequality was a lot lower, but I know you're not in favor of... of uh, addressing income inequality. No, I think income inequality has an effect, but uh, I don't see any way to rein it in back to 1950s levels. I see uh, a way to rein it in. It, you don't see a way to rein it in back science. to 1950s levels. It ain't rocket We're not going to have the tax. You can't We're not going to have the tax rate that it would take to get back to the 50s. I'm not saying get back, but if but if you admit it's part of the problem, you 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 know small gains are worth making. But you're against I, it. I agree with that. No, I'm not against it. You're against doing it. You're against redistributive tax policy per se. I'd say redistributive tax policy is a lot less. You get a lot less bang for your buck. No, I'm not. I, when yes, I you are. You're against, you're against doing it for the purpose of reducing income inequality. If you're not, you just change your position. You've, you've been saying this your whole life. No, I, I, think, I, I think it's a bad bargain. You could put the same political effort and the amount of money into creating common right. institutions, that that'd be much more effective. Well, for whatever reason, you say don't do it. You have said don't do not do it. Liberals should not focus on income inequality. Focus, yes, they shouldn't focus. Oh, it should just happen naturally? No, I'm just saying it's not a big, I'm not against it. I'm not saying if I could press a button and, and uh, you know, increase taxes on, on Mark Zuckerberg, I would probably press the button. It's not going to have a hell of a lot of effect on social equality. Uh, we've had this. We yeah, had this argument in the parrot room last week, but I, I think uh, it's almost the only thing that will, because uh, it's actually harder to change the institutions themselves. And uh, you know, you are you going to mandate that Disneyland quit having three tiers of tickets, and the rich people don't have to wait in line? You you can regulate that. I'm not sure I'd be against that. Actually, I'm not sure you I'd can be regulate that. that. You can ban skyboxes. You can ban valet parking. There are all sorts of little. Would you be in favor things. of all these things? Banning valet so. parking. You should run I called, for. I you should run for, for Senate valet, again. I call. I called for banning valet parking in my book. Did you? Yeah, that's before a I government lived ban. A government ban. A local ban. Yeah. Local ban. In in, in D.C., there used to be a rule against uh, people giving shoe shines on the street because the Black City Council was sick of black watching black people shine white men's shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, perfectly reasonable rule. Uh, and, and the, the damn uh, Republican public interest group got it uh, thrown out in court on the basis that it was a violation of freedom of contract. So oh. um, I'm against that. Uh, okay. So you, anyway. you, would, you, you would be in favor of the, the Disneyland regulation. Ban banning yeah, the could. separate tiers. Uh, everybody waits in the same lines at Disneyland. You'd be in favor of a law saying that. 
would it would have to be massage. Maybe we could allow two lines. One for <laughs> you and women, your friends and then women with children who are in a hurry or something. I don't know, but um two lines, uh, but not more. That's a good platform. <laughs> uh worth you have to have fewer lines than JetBlue has in terms of boarding. They have six, I think. So um uh, uh, anyway, I think that does it for me about that, with that. Um, we had there was also this shooting. Maybe we should talk about that in the paradigm. Yeah, we could. The uh, some pretty you know, amazing things about the shooting. Uh, uh, well, my only, uh, I don't know how much I have to say. Uh, well, we can say. Well, what else are we going to talk about? I mean, I, I just, there's the whole issue of, well, everybody knows there was a controversy over how it was reported. Um, you know, you couldn't, they were reluctant to, <laughs> well, why? It's no secret. Why are you, you're going to give it, you're going to talk about it all. You're going to, we're going to, we're not going to make money off. We got to make money off the shooting. Man. You know, this never works. The the, the thing we're going to talk about X, Y, Z. Usually it's me blowing the cover and that, now it's you. Okay, I guess we'll talk about it. I mean, part of it is I'm not that psyched to talk about it. There's not that much to say, I think. Well, then it's it'll horrible. be quick. It's, it's horrible. Uh, other You'll things agree with everything I have to say, and it'll be quick. You know, th this, this uh, un uncharacteristically, this time we we uh, spent less time on the sheerly political stuff and more time. Oh, quick, you just give me a quick Ukraine update, okay? Or should we say Okay, we can do that in the paradigm. But, okay, you, you can't deny Bob. His not much has happened. Not much has happened. Can't deny Bob Bakhmut. Got to talk about Bakhmut. General Franco is still dead, as Chevy <laughs> Chase used to say. Actually, not, the Ukrainians are optimistic now about Bakhmut. Actually, they're putting out stories about how yeah, they, got that, thing. they got control of this thing. Don't worry. Well, the actual amount of real estate that they control is still shrinking, but the point is that's not the point, okay? They are expending valuable human resources to even keep the the rate of shrinkage of their real estate low. I mean, I don't think I told you this, but a few weeks ago, a, a, a voice on Twitter I trust, he wasn't the one reporting this, but he was he was stating it as if insiders knew it, that on a single day in Bakhmut, uh, two battalion commanders, Ukrainian battalion commanders, had been killed. Okay? That's a really precious thing. An experienced senior officer who commands a battalion, two in one day. And, and now they're sending multiple battalions there just to slow the rate of loss, okay? And, like, and, and as we said, hanging on to, to the center of the city if you manage to do that is meaningless. The city is in a bowl. It does not, you know, right, right. you're surrounded they're, by people. And, you know, it, it's... Uh, they're not, but they're not idiots and it's their country. And, and is there some crazy factor that's uh, causing them to make the wrong decision. The only crazy factor I could think of was that Zelensky has decided it would be such a huge propaganda victory on the order of Stalingrad if they held it. No, that's what uh, it became. That, he decided yeah. it was an important symbol. And and as I've said, and I worry about this more than ever, um, The I worry that the same thing is applying to this offensive that the Ukrainians are apparently committed to. They're committed to it in effect, for informational purposes, they they think they have to signal to the West that they can still make gains and then they'll get a bunch more weapons. And I and, and, you know, I think we're saying this to them pretty much explicitly. And that's what 
worries me. That's very irresponsible. You think we're saying if you show success, you'll get more weapons? You know, there's a piece by Julia Yaffe in Puck, so it's paywalled. Uh, and, you know, she's obviously this hardcore Russia hawk, uh, but it was largely a repertorial piece. It had its ideological spin, but but what it said was a lot of people in think tanks around D.C. who are not saying this publicly are saying, what is the Biden administration's plan? Now, the way she wants to spin it is, uh, well, so in other words, they're they're saying to Ukraine, Okay, look, you got you know you got to do this offensive, and then you know we'll we'll see what happens next. And she's saying there's no real plan about what happens next. What her side would like to do, what she's kind of suggesting is, look, you got to go one way or the other. So send them just a ton of fucking weapons and let's end this thing. Which I don't well, think is actually yeah. possible, but well, we'll go ahead. No, there was there was a quote from Zelensky that I thought uh, was interesting. He said, "If we lose Bakhmut." We're going to be forced into making territorial concessions that we find unacceptable. Well, unacceptable to whom? Uh, if he's if he's actually willing to contemplate a worst case scenario where he may make some territorial concessions, you know, maybe there's less at stake here than we thought. Maybe we should encourage him to make a few concessions. Well, that's what's going to have to happen in the end, and that's the tragedy of it. Is we are pushing them into something that's going to get a ton of Ukrainians killed and could lead to something like disaster. I mean, it could lead the line, the North-South line all along the Donbass, so weakly reinforced by Ukraine, the decision to go on this offensive, that the Russians break through, or they come down from the North, out of Russia, in, in Kharkiv province, right. and, uh, you know, there's various bad things that could result from this. What you've got, Doing this offensive is largely uh, conscripts who are inexperienced uh, doing something Ukraine has never done, which is large-scale combined arms, whatever. They've never done a maneuver like this. <clears throat> and the Russians know, know where they're going to hit them, and they've been reinforcing the hell out of it. And the Russians have way more people in the long run. And, uh, well... The, the so the the sticky point that's preventing us from getting the concessions now is that Russia would never agree to it, right? So the trick should be well, to Russia get, would agree. No, Russia would agree uh, to what we find unacceptable. Maybe, in fact, I think Russia just actually uh, I I should have clicked on this link. I think maybe laid down some things we'd find unacceptable, like a combination of they they hold on to all the territory they have, and there's no NATO membership for Ukraine. And whatever else, but um, uh, I, we don't know. We don't know what Russia would do because we have oh. not because we've rejected the very idea very overtly. Isn't uh, Elon Musk's peace plan direct from the island of the dicks, uh, looking better and better? Well, I mean, in 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 some ways, yeah. I, I'm not sure Russia would buy that, but he would have these referendums in all these uh, provinces. And the first problem is, in theory, I would say you need to reconstitute the original population somehow, or at least l allow the refugees to vote or something. So that gets very complicated. Anyway, that, that's not going to happen. I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a mess. But I mean, the, the must thing is better than what's probably going to happen, which is Russia is going to get the parts of the Donbass, right? Without a referendum. 
it seems very likely that Russia is going to wind up with parts of the Donbass. And and again, I don't think we have a plan to prevent that. And if if we had one, it would lead to risks of its own if you started pushing Russia back all the way to the borders. But and um, you know, I I think if the conventional wisdom on Bakhmut seems to be changing a little, I think what happened was. A few uh, people who had been saying what they're doing is a terrible idea started saying, well, who knows? We'll see. We don't know all the factors and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's because, you know, all these people are support Ukraine. I mean, you're only hearing from commentators who support Ukraine unless you go to great right. trouble to follow other people on Twitter. Right. And I think they realized that so many of them had said Zelensky was doing a very stupid thing in Bakhmut that this was becoming a crisis for him, both in terms of the international politics and all the West saying, like, does this guy know what he's doing? And the troops themselves feeling betrayed. And I assure you, there are some pretty unenthusiastic troops in, in, in Bakhmut right now. Um, and, uh, and, and, so they, and so they realized that, look, if we want Ukraine to prevail, we can't undermine Zelensky right. like this. I think that's responsible for any change of tone. I, 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 there, there are problems on the Russian side too, of course. I thought Zelensky said what a very smart thing about. Uh, sorry, we can take that as our sign from God to take it to the parrot room. It's potential can... spam. Okay, okay. So you'll you don't forget that sentence. You're going to finish it in the parrot room. What I'll is it? I'll finish that. Uh, Zelensky said a very smart thing. Whoa, you talk about your cliffhangers, folks. <laughs> okay, Patreon.com/slash parrot room. Mickey has to answer his potential spam. Don't forget, don't forget the question you're gonna the sins you're gonna yeah. finish. No, um, I won't. And then and then uh, what else? I don't know. Uh oh, this uh think tank uh is advocating murder this year's think tank. I'll mention that. Uh Israeli politics. I mean, you talk about your polarized societies. Uh and um you wanted to talk about school shooting. This is sounding I, like a pretty pretty cheery, about, uh, pretty cheery parrot room. Um I have things to say about Israel. We have uh the the list of people that Elon Musk is secretly boosting on Twitter. Oh, uh, oh, oh, the whole the whole change of policy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have Substack in trouble. Why well, I think you should worry about is Substack in trouble? This. We'll talk about it. I don't. Well, think I should so, worry but... about the future of what? Oh, wait, don't finish that sentence either, folks. Okay. For only five dollars, you can have the end of two sentences. Who else I've been is exciting, you I've been feel like? I've been exciting rap on administrative law, the future of the administrative state. You should have said on administrative. Up, oh, I'll say the rest in the parrot room. See um, how this is going to work. And there are all sorts of, uh, oh, of crazy, we'll new medical, that one in the crazy new medical tests. Crazy what? New medical tests. Is that uh, a Spanish pronunciation of the word numerical or what? Medical what tests. Oh, I thought medical you said, tests. Oh, <laughs> numerical. Elizabeth Holmes was ahead of her time, and only by a few years. Tantalizing hit. That's a tantalizing. What can I say? Well, what I'd give to be in the parrot room if I were somebody listening to this podcast. Blood will out. Blood will out. Couldn't have said it better. So we will. Uh, we will see folks later.